fellow feasters in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you for your patience as we prepare for Season 7 of the Gospel Feast podcast. Our author and historian has been busily working on a very special book, Esther, Something Hidden, Something Revealed. You've heard the story of Esther, but do you really understand it? I think you will find this book illuminates things that you never knew were in the simple story of Esther. Welcome back to the Gospel Feast Podcast. We're continuing our studies, Season 5, in the Book of Ezekiel. We have been eagerly awaiting this episode on the Gospel Feast Podcast, where our author has promised to give us his opinion on what the war chariot of the Lord that Ezekiel witnessed really is. So let's jump right in. Chapter 1 of Ezekiel is one of the most amazing chapters in all the Bible. It has been heavily debated by scholars and fools as to its meaning. Many illustrators throughout the millennia have attempted to depict Ezekiel's vision with little to no real success. The entire event was carefully laid out in the form of a quiz in episode 71 of this season's podcast. But in short, what Ezekiel actually saw was the war chariot of the Lord. Ezekiel's description of it is grand and nearly incomprehensible. This is because it was meant to be felt in Eastern terms, not understood in a Western way. One must use Eastern thinking to understand it. However, in Western terms, the war chariot of the Lord, as I promised to tell you, is the planet Jupiter. Please keep listening. At the end, you are free to accept or reject any of it. The Lord, in His great mercy, speaks in many Westernisms today so that we might understand Him. One of the greatest gifts of the Book of Mormon is its clear expression of an Eastern gospel in a Western way. Much of the Doctrine and Covenants is also very Western, but there are exceptions. One of the most profound of these is section 88, nicknamed by the prophet Joseph, the olive leaf plucked from the tree of paradise. The moment that a communication from on high is also an olive leaf plucked from the tree of paradise, you just know the Lord is going to be expressing himself in the types of Easternisms that make the writing of Isaiah, the bard of Israel, and Ezekiel, the son of the despised, and Zechariah the priest, and John the beloved, poetic, majestic, and enigmatic. We love Easternisms on the Gospel Feast podcast. You and I love Easternisms. And so you know we are going to love Doctrine and Covenants, section 88. Section 88 is as masterful a piece of prose as any in Scripture. It is one of the many treasures of the Restoration. You are encouraged to read the entire section in your copy of the Doctrine and Covenants 
But for now, let's just enjoy this piece. Doctrine and Covenants 88.1 Verily, thus saith the Lord unto you, who have assembled yourselves together to receive his will concerning you. Behold, this is pleasing unto your Lord, and the angels rejoice over you. The alms of your prayers have come up into the ears of the Lord of Sabaoth, and are recorded in the book of the names of the sanctified, even them of the celestial world. Wow. We take a lot of things for granted on planet Earth. I know that I do. Take the phrase, Lord of Sabaoth. What does Sabaoth mean? I always thought that was a typo. I'll bet when you first saw it in the scriptures, you read it as Lord of Sabbath, didn't you? Go look at the word again. It is Sabaoth, and it literally means the Lord of hosts. Now that's a phrase we have heard many times. Presidents N. Eldon Tanner, Ezra Taft Benson, Thomas S. Monson, Gordon B. Hinckley, Elder Porter, and others were fond of quoting Runyard Kipling's poem, Recessional, particularly these verses. The tumult and the shouting dies, the captains and the kings depart. Still stands thine ancient sacrifice, and humble in a contrite heart. Lord God of hosts, be with us yet. Lest we forget, lest we forget. Lest we forget. I always assumed that Lord of Hosts meant Lord of the Hosts of Heaven, or Lord of Heaven's Army, as in Lord over the Angels. After all, the host of angels sing as they fly through the sky on their wings, giving praise to God, the scriptures say. The hosts are the angels, right? We know some of their names. There is Michael, Gabriel, Uriel, Raphael, and even Hillel before he fell and became Lucifer the Liar and took a Latin name instead. The hosts are the angels, of course they are. What else could they be? Ah, Eastern thinking to the rescue, yet again. The word host in Hebrew is tesaba, and it is a masculine noun. It means army. Angels can make up an army. So the Lord is the captain of the angelic army. Of course he is. Except that tesaba also means planets. You know the stars that fly through the heavens singing their praises to God? Uh, hmm. Wait a minute. Planets don't have wings, do they? Planets don't sing, do they? Planets aren't alive, are they? At least that's what science tells us, and we believe in science. Don't we? We do, assuming that it is translated correctly anyway. Oh, that's funny. So what do we make from the following scripture? Doctrine and Covenants 88.42 And again, verily I say unto you, He hath given a law unto all things, by which they move in their times and their seasons. And their courses are fixed, even the courses of the heavens and the earth, which comprehend the earth and all the planets. And they give light to each other, in their times and in their seasons, in their minutes, in their hours, in their days, in their weeks, in their months, in their years. All these are one year with God, but not with man. The earth rolls upon her wings, and the sun giveth his light by day, 
and the moon giveth her light by night, and the stars also give their light, as they roll upon their wings in their glory, in the midst of the power of God. Wait a minute. Planets do have wings. The Lord himself said so. Planets sing, too. In 2012, NASA recorded the Earth singing. You can do an internet search for NASA Earth Song and hear the Earth singing for yourself. It's beautiful, like a whale flying through the ocean, or a bird swimming through the clouds of the sky. Although I'm not sure if it's a happy song or a sad song. Uh, we have the recording. Let's play it. The earth is sad sometimes. You will remember that Enoch heard her crying before the flood. Personally, it sounds to me like she's calling out to someone that she sees on the distant horizon. There is a spark of joy and expectation, like a baby bird saying, Come, come. There is an air of excitement and hope in her call, as I hear it. Since modern man is too seeped into Western science, as it is pretended to us, to really believe it, the Lord found himself caught in exactly how to explain this truth to us. See for yourself. Doctrine and Covenants 88.46 Unto what shall I liken these kingdoms, that ye may understand? When has the Almighty ever struggled to find words to explain something to us? He is the Master Teacher. What hope do we have of explaining it if God is struggling to? The closest example that comes to mind, for me, is the Father's dilemma in the Council of Heaven, the one that started the First Family War. We wanted to be as the gods, knowing what they know. Our Heavenly Parents had no real way of teaching us the Law of Opposites, except by experience. This is in short what the Lord is saying to the saints again here. In essence, how do I explain the grand nature of Godhood to you? I will try, but it's something you will have to experience to really understand. However, here's my best attempt. Doctrine and Covenants 8847 Behold, all these are kingdoms, and any man who hath seen any or the least of these hath seen God moving in his majesty and power. I say unto you, he hath seen him. Nevertheless, he who came unto his own was not comprehended. Reread that carefully. In terms of Eastern thought, anyone who has seen the planets flying on their wings, singing their songs of life and praise to God, has seen God moving in His majesty and power. I believe this is the reason that ultimately Satan was able to cause men to worship the planets and the stars. To see them is to see God. That is what the Lord just said. The trick is not to comprehend what you see correctly. That's the rub. Because he who came into his own was not comprehended. Jehovah the Great, the Great I Am, was not understood when he appeared on earth, called Jesus of Nazareth, 
the Son of Man. Do you see it? The Lord continues. Doctrine and Covenants 88.49 The light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehendeth it not. Nevertheless, the day shall come when you shall comprehend even God, being quickened in him and by him. Comprehend even God? Wow! But was not that the desire from the start? To be as the gods, knowing what they know? That was all Mother Eve ever wanted, and so she took the fruit from Satan's hand. The ultimate expression of comprehension is face-to-face, which is why seeing the face of Jesus Christ as God is the same as being saved by him. In terms of the atonement, it is the wedding celebration when the groom and the bride see one another as they really are, without a veil. It is then that they become one. See for yourself. Doctrine and Covenants, 88, verse 50 and 66. Then shall ye know that ye have seen me, that I am, and that I am the true light that is in you, and that you are in me. Otherwise, ye could not abound. Behold, that which ye hear is as the voice of one crying in the wilderness, in the wilderness, because you cannot see him. My voice, because my voice is spirit. My spirit is truth. Truth abideth and hath no end. And if it be in you, it shall abound. Wow. In other words, sons and daughters of Almighty God, our experience right now is an Elias experience, the foundation and setup necessary for something so much greater. John the Baptist was called an Elias, and he was one crying in the wilderness that the kingdom was coming. The pattern is a continual one. John is crying in the desert trying to plant the seed of the garden in which the Lord will later harvest. If John had not planted in the wasteland, it would have been a wasteland when the Lord appeared. It is the same now. As saints, we have been called upon to prepare the earth and ourselves for the garden the Lord has planted. If we don't plant the seed, there will be no harvest. We are currently living in that wilderness where we can only hear the call but not yet see the shepherd. We have the comforter in this process because we know our master's voice. It is he that is calling us to hear him. We know it is him. If in this dim place we turn our eye to the Lord's glory alone, it is enough light here to fill the room until he comes in glory. Doctrine and Covenants 88.67 And if your eye be single to my glory, your whole bodies shall be filled with light, and there shall be no darkness in you, and that body which is filled with light comprehendeth all things. Why? Because you, like the Tassaba themselves, become as a Urim and Thummim filled with light and truth. The prophet Joseph reached that place. By the end of his life he had no need for breastplates, seer stones, or the like. He could read a passage in the Bible and understand it. He could stand upon a ruined Nephite hill and tell you the man buried beneath it. He could part the heavens at will and ask any question he desired. Like a Urim and Thummim, Joseph was filled with light and truth. 
Externally, it is the hosts of heaven that are our source of light both by day and by night. Incidentally, even that light is, in some way we don't yet comprehend, Jesus as well. Doctrine and Covenants 88, 13, and 40. The light of Christ is the light which is in all things, which giveth life to all things, which is the law by which all things are governed. Even the power of God who sitteth upon his throne, who is in the bosom of eternity, who is in the midst of all things. For intelligence cleaveth unto intelligence, wisdom receiveth wisdom, truth embraceth truth, wisdom loveth virtue, virtue loveth virtue, light cleaveth unto light, mercy hath compassion on mercy, and claimeth her own, justice continueth its course, and claimeth its own. Judgment goeth before the face of him who sitteth upon the throne, and governeth and executeth all things. The Lord told Father Abraham that all light, even the light of the sun, eventually gets its life and power, priesthood, from the very throne of God. In 2011, NASA launched the Juno mission to better understand the planet Jupiter. It was during this mission that many spectacular first-time photographs were taken of the mighty giant. One of the most interesting discoveries was a clearer understanding of the planet's auroras, which are thousands of times brighter and many times larger than the entire planet Earth. These are powered by electrically charged particles from our Sun colliding with Jupiter's magnetic field, or at least so we think. Although it was just recently discovered that there are also auroral explosions on Jupiter, brilliant, dazzling auroral storms that are coming from beneath Jupiter's clouds. It is this very same light that gives us life and breath, thought and being. As one takes upon himself light and truth, one gains, in course of time, a second witness. Such perfect knowledge becomes a second comforter. See Doctrine and Covenants 88.3 Wherefore, I now send upon you another comforter, even upon you, my friends, that it may abide in your hearts, even the Holy Spirit of promise, which other comforter is the same that I promised unto my disciples, as is recorded in the testimony of John. This comforter is the promise which I give unto you of eternal life, even the glory of the celestial kingdom, which glory is that of the church of the firstborn, even of God, the holiest of all, through Jesus Christ his Son. Verse 73. Behold, I will hasten my work in its time. Verse 83. He that seeketh me early shall find me, and shall not be forsaken. Therefore tarry ye, and labor diligently, that ye may be perfected in your ministry, to go forth among the Gentiles for the last time, as many as the mouth of the Lord shall name, to bind up the law, and seal up the testimony, and to prepare the saints for the hour of judgment which is to come, that their souls may escape the wrath of God, the desolation of abomination which awaits the wicked. 
both in this world and in the world to come. Verily I say unto you, Let those who are not the first elders continue in the vineyard until the mouth of the Lord shall call them, for their time is not yet come. Their garments are not clean from the blood of this generation. Abide ye in the liberty wherewith ye are made free. Entangle not yourselves in sin, but let your hands be clean until the Lord comes. For not many days hence, and the earth shall tremble and reel to and fro as a drunken man, and the sun shall hide his face, and shall refuse to give light, and the moon shall be bathed in blood, and the stars shall become exceedingly angry, and shall cast themselves down as a fig that falleth from off a fig tree. And after your testimony cometh wrath and indignation upon the people. The Lord told his disciples that the last great sign would be the end of human missionary labors. When you hear our living prophet call home the missionaries, and say the gleaning is done, you will know that the end is very near. Then will come what is called the testimony of nature. This is the time when the great hosts of heaven will get their chance to preach to us. Doctrine and Covenants 88-89 For after your testimony cometh the testimony of earthquakes, that shall cause groanings in the midst of her, and men shall fall upon the ground, and shall not be able to stand. And also cometh the testimony of the voice of thunderings, and the voice of lightnings, and the voice of tempests, and the voice of the waves of the sea heaving themselves beyond their bounds. And all things shall be in commotion, and surely men's hearts shall fail them, for fear shall come upon all people. And angels shall fly through the midst of heaven, crying with a loud voice, sounding the trump of God, saying, Prepare ye, prepare ye, O inhabitants of the earth, for the judgment of our God is come. Behold, and lo, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. And immediately there shall appear a great sign in heaven, and all people shall see it together. I believe that this great sign will be connected to one of the hosts of heaven. My bet is Jupiter. But like anything, I am totally willing to be wrong about that. It is not a testimony breaker for me one iota. I do know, however, that Joseph Smith had a deep fascination with the planet Jupiter. For all of those who have mocked him over that, you might enjoy knowing that in 2017, NASA said, and I quote, Beneath the cloudy storms of Jupiter, we believe there is a sea made of glass. 2017, hmm? Well, what about this from Joseph Smith in 1843, then? Doctrine and Covenants, 130, 6-7 The angels do not reside on a planet like this Earth, but they reside on a globe like a sea of glass. It gets even better. NASA also theorized just recently that were Jupiter's sea of glass to rain down upon the Earth, it would drop upon us liquid diamonds. What would you call a liquid diamond falling to the ground? How about a white stone? Now look up Revelation 2.17 a moment.
I know I want a white stone. Do you? One should be very careful mocking Joseph Smith and persecuting the Lord's restored church. How many times in this series have we seen it? Joseph Smith knew what he could not possibly have known, unless he was a prophet. Take note of this, Doctrine and Covenants 8894. And another angel shall sound his trump, saying, That great church, the mother of abominations, that made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication, that persecuteth the saints of God, that shed their blood, she who sitteth upon many waters and upon the islands of the sea, behold, she is the tares of the earth. She is bound in bundles. Her bands are made strong. No man can loose them. Therefore, she is ready to be burned. And he shall sound his trump both long and loud, and all nations shall hear it. NASA also caught Jupiter speaking. Unlike the earth, his voice is powerful and commanding, yet also has a still small quality to it at the same time. Were the Lord to use the core of Jupiter as a giant speaker, would the trumpet blast or sound of his voice shake you to its marrow? It would. Doctrine and Covenants 88, verse 104. And this shall be the sound of his trump, saying to all people, both in heaven and in earth, and that are under the earth, for every ear shall hear it, and every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess, while they hear the sound of the trump, saying, Fear God, and give glory to him who sitteth upon the throne for ever and ever, for the hour of his judgment is come. Verse 107. And then shall the angels be crowned with the glory of his might, and the saints shall be filled with his glory, and receive their inheritance, and be made equal with him. Verse 116. This is the glory of God, and the sanctified, and they shall not any more see death. Therefore, verily I say unto you, My friends, call your solemn assembly, as I have commanded you. When we as saints gather together, here is a list of what the Lord wants us to accomplish. He wants us to strengthen each other's faith. Doctrine and Covenants 88, 118. And as all have not faith, seek ye diligently, and teach one another words of wisdom. Yea, seek ye out of the best books words of wisdom. Seek learning, even by study, and also by faith. He wants us to be a house of order, and as a body well fitted, muscle, nerve, and bone. He wants us to use and build his temples, and he wants us to make them and ourselves holy. Doctrine and Covenants 88, 119 Organize yourselves, prepare every needful thing, and establish a house, even a house of prayer, a house of fasting, a house of faith, 
a house of learning, a house of glory, a house of order, a house of God, that your incomings may be in the name of the Lord, that your outgoings may be in the name of the Lord, that all your salutations may be in the name of the Lord, with uplifted hands unto the Most High. Therefore, cease from all your light speeches, from all laughter, from all your lustful desires, from all your pride and light-mindedness, and from all your wicked doings. God wants us to listen to each other and to counsel each other and to be busily engaged in doing good. Doctrine and Covenants 88.122 Appoint among yourselves a teacher, and let not all be spokesmen at once, but let one speak at a time, and let all listen unto his sayings, that when all have spoken, that all may be edified of all, and that every man may have an equal privilege. See that ye love one another, cease to be covetous, learn to impart one to another as the gospel requires. Cease to be idle, cease to be unclean, cease to find fault one with another, cease to sleep longer than is needful. Retire to thy bed early, that ye may not be weary. Arise early, that your bodies and your minds may be invigorated. But most of all, he wants us to have charity. Charity never fails, and will forgive many, many sins. Doctrine and Covenants 88.125 And above all things, clothe yourselves with the bond of charity, as with a mantle, which is the bond of perfectness and peace. The Lord needs us to forgive all men, so that he alone can be the final judge of all. Joseph Smith told the saints that a man would enter heaven so long as there were none with any righteous accusations against them. Then he pled with us that if we would throw the cloak of charity over each other's sins, we would all get into the kingdom together. For charity, he said, covereth a multitude of sins. Doctrine and Covenants 88.126 Pray always that ye may not faint until I come. Behold and lo, I will come quickly and receive you unto myself. Amen. We echo. Amen. I want to end this podcast with a little educated speculation, which, like any in our series, I am perfectly willing to be wrong about. This has been wonderful. Unfortunately, we have run out of time, but we will continue this incredible feast into the word of the Lord when next we meet. It is important to restate that our podcasts are not endorsed or even reviewed by any religious sect or denomination. We alone take full responsibility for all content. If you are wanting more on this topic, you are encouraged to continue your feasts with the author's Gospel Feast series, available in various formats on Amazon. In particular, you may find the author's The Joseph Smith Hypocephalus, which expands on the prophet's facsimiles in the book of Abraham to be extremely interesting. And so, until next time, remember the moral of Ezekiel. Soon all will know that Jesus Christ is Lord.
am excited to announce that Esther, Something Hidden, Something Revealed, is now available on Amazon as a side study, Volume H, in the Gospel Feast series. The Book of Esther is a mysterious one. As written, it is a book with many contradictions. The name Esther means something hidden. It does contain several historical conundrums and a handful of mysteries. It is the only book in the Bible that never mentions God at all. Why? Many Jews today say that it is just fiction, because they can't find any of the characters mentioned within, historically. And yet, they celebrate the book with a major festival, annually. It is also one of the books that is required reading in the weeks before Passover, every year. Not by God, but by Esther herself. Why do this if you insist the book is just fiction? It is one of the only books that Joseph Smith made no corrections to, although he considered it to be historical. How is any of this possible? Esther reads as an eyewitness account, but then struggles with the simple, logical issues and frequently contradicts itself in some very strange ways. How come? Considering that Esther became the most powerful queen of the world's largest empire, none of this makes any sense. Or does it? Despite the wonderful story, we are left with the puzzling questions. Who was King Ahasuerus? Who was Mordecai? Who was Haman? And actually, who was Esther? The answers may just surprise you. The book is not fiction. And in fact, all of the puzzling contradictions were put in place for a very devious reason, and not by Esther. Join us on this astounding historical reconstruction and be amazed at what Esther really tried to do, and how, had she been able to accomplish what she had tried, your life would be very different right now. You think you know the book of Esther? Are you sure? Let's feast on the Word of God together and see what a woman of God can do when she really puts her mind to it. It also might make an incredible Mother's Day gift for the ladies in your life. Happy Mother's Day.